Hello, hello. Welcome to the Fearful Goddess podcast, where I'll be talking to you about all things sex, travel, and radical self-acceptance. I am your host, Jocelyn Silva, first-generation Latina, sexual empowerment coach, sex educator, and full-time digital nomad. All right, so this is episode one of my podcast. It's about motherfucking time. It literally has taken me almost three years to finally get to this place where I feel courageous enough to sit and record my first episode, to sit and actually create this podcast. And so I'm going to keep it real with you. I am a little full of fear right now, which is awesome because this podcast is called The Fearful Goddess and it's all about doing shit scared, right? Um, In particular, uh, sex, travel, and radical self-acceptance. And I feel like me creating this podcast for you to support you on your journey is my way of doing things fearfully and being able to support you in that, really, and explain what it means, right, Um, to do things fearfully and not fearlessly. I never liked the word fearless because I always felt like what I'm just supposed to wait for fear to go away, but then I realized it's never going to go away. So instead of doing things fearlessly, I figured why not do things fearfully um, until right my nervous system understands that it is okay for me to do these things that are super uncomfortable and eventually become comfortable. Okay. Today, for my first episode, I would love to discuss with you On my very first episode of the Fearful Goddess podcast, I would love to talk to you about my personal story. Now, if you are someone who has been following me on Instagram for a while, you've probably seen or heard my story a million times. If you are new here, welcome. Or if you are new to the world of Jocelyn Silva sex coaching, welcome. Um, This is going to be a really great episode for you to get to know me on a more intimate level and understand the perspective that I'm coming from throughout the episodes of this podcast. Um, I believe that my story has a lot to do with how I got to where I am now, and I'm super excited to share with you all of the things I've gone through, all of the uh, struggles that I've faced in order to get to the place where I am right now, which is in a pretty awesome one, I gotta say. Um, I am currently in my apartment In Barcelona, Spain, my roommates are gone, so I have the place to myself, which I figured this would be a perfect opportunity for me to get this podcast started. (laughs) So yeah, let's talk about uh, my story, and I really hope that some of my story resonates with you. So like I said in my introduction, I am a first-generation Latina, sexual empowerment coach, sex educator, and full-time digital nomad. And really, my journey uh, began growing up, right? I, um, I was raised in Los Angeles, California, born and raised in the San Fernando Valley. My mom is from El Salvador. My dad's from Mexico. And I grew up in a Spanish-speaking um, household that was incredibly Catholic, very, very Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic school, kindred through 12th grade. When I was in elementary and middle school, I was very involved in my parish. I was altar server. I was a lector. Um, I wanted to be a nun when I was 16 in high school. Or actually, in eighth grade, I got a scholarship for being most involved in my parish. And then in high school, I got the religion award. I was a part of Christian leadership. I was the only senior that, I, that was able to lead the senior retreat because usually alumni lead, leads those. But I was the only one that was able to. Um, in my year, which was a pretty big deal. 
And so I was very, very Catholic growing up. And growing up first generation Latina adds definitely a layer of culture that I think a lot of people that don't, that aren't raised in a Latino background or a multicultural background or have parents that are immigrants really understand, right? Um, but being Latina, right, I think really added a lot of layers of shame and guilt along with the shame and guilt that I received from being Catholic, right? In particular, when it came to my sexuality. So in high school, I became very, very ashamed of my body, very ashamed of my sexuality. Um, I had a boyfriend when I was 16, and obviously 16-year-olds, you know, explore their bodies. (laughs) And um, I would be so ashamed of the fact that him and I would do, you know, sexy things, and I, it got so bad to the point where I was going to confession once a week. And, you know, it's actually really fucking weird because, like, we used to do this weird shit where, like, um, we used to be like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to, like, I don't know, we're going to do some oral and some hand stuff, okay? Um, but if we're going to do this, this is what we have to do. So then we'd plan out what we had to do in the week to make sure that we were good with God. So we'd be like, okay, so tomorrow we're going to do a sacrifice. We're not going to talk for the entire day. This weekend, you have to go to confession. We have to pray three rosaries while we're apart from one another. And this has to happen. And so we'd be like making out halfway, like about to, you know, get undressed and be like, okay, deal. Awesome. And then we'd continue making out and doing all the things and, you know, then make sure that we followed through with the promise that we made each other to make sure that we don't go to hell. And it got really bad to the point where, like, I was going to confession once a week. And I remember a priest actually came up to me and said, "Um, you know, you don't have to come to confession once a week. You can come once a year and you'll be fine. And I said, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't want to go to hell. I mean, something that you all have to understand is that, like, I was so fucking scared of going to hell. Oh, my God. Going to hell was my biggest fucking fear. Like, The thought of me dying and not going to heaven was just the absolute worst. It caused so much depression and anxiety and fear inside of me that was just so, so paralyzing. It was, it was fucking awful. And so, um, the priest said, no, seriously, you could just come once a year. You'll be fine. But just to give you an idea of like how much shame, you know, I was experiencing at that time, it was pretty intense. It was pretty fucking gnarly, you know? So anyway, so after high school, I went to college and I met my first boyfriend who I consider to this day to be the first love of my life. He worked at Spencer's Gifts. He was beautiful. He was like this goth rocker guy, plucked his eyebrows, slicked his hair back, wore long trench coats and like uh, knee high combat boots. Very, very attractive dude. Um, It was funny. I hit on him when he was working. (laughs) I still remember when I walked in, I was like, hey, like I I, I had remembered I saw him a couple weeks prior because I just wanted to talk to him. And I had asked him if he had like any Smiths or Morrissey shirts. And he goes, didn't you come a couple weeks ago asking me for a Smith shirt? And I was like, "Uh, you remember? He's like, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, shit. Right. So I was like, "Um, can I give you my number? And he's like, sure. And then he gave me his number. And freaking sassy little 17 year old Jocelyn was like, I'm not going to call you until you call me. So don't be expecting a call. <laughs> like, I don't know 
know why, y'all, but I had some major ass game when I was 17 years old. I don't know the fuck I learned it, but I had some game. Some fucking game. I don't know if it was all that shame and guilt that built up this, like, tension inside of me, but I had game. Anyways, so we dated for two and a half years, and um, he was my first, like, I would say, you know, penis to vagina sexual experience, which in our culture and our society, we consider that, right, the first time you had sex. Technically, my boyfriend prior to him was the first time I had sex because, you know, oral sex is sex. Hand jobs is sex. Fingering is sex, right? Like sex is whatever you want it to be. It's not an actual act. Sex exists in your mind and you define what sexuality is for you. And so technically he was my first, but we'll say that my second boyfriend was really the person that I really had the playground. I was offered it's a better way of saying it. I was offered the playground to explore my sexuality. And so um, when I was with him, I had sex with him, you know, the first time. And it literally felt like the clouds parted, the angels sang. And I was like, who the fuck told me that sex is bad? Who the fuck said sex is bad? This shit is awesome. <laughs> and... um yeah, I I was just like, what was I have I been lied to my entire life? Like what is happening, right? So I really started questioning my belief system. I started questioning the church. I started questioning my family. I started questioning everything that I believed because I just I didn't understand how sex could be bad if I was engaging with this person who cared deeply about me, who I cared deeply about. How could sex be bad, right? And so that's where all of my questioning and my skepticism really, really began. And I left the Catholic Church, and that really um, created um, a dent in the relationship between me and my mom, right? It wasn't the same ever um, after that. Well, I mean, it's good now, but at the time, it was like seven years of really a hard, hard, a hard relationship with my mom, just a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of anger, a lot of, a lot of pain, you know, because she didn't understand why I was, I didn't want to be Catholic anymore. She didn't understand my pain. She didn't really understand my experience. And it was just hard not to be seen by my mother at that time. Right. So I went to college and I got really involved in the feminist club and the queer Alliance and the students for social, social justice. And I, um, organized a lot and was very heavily politically involved on campus, which I loved. It was so much fun. And that really expanded my mind, right? To understand like, holy shit, like there is this world outside of the world that I've been living in that is full of people that give a shit, right? Like full of people that care about other people's well-being and want to create a better world and Right. Because that's what the Queer Alliance and the Feminist Club and the Students for Social Justice is all about. And when I had been raised in the Catholic Church, I remember we did a whole lot of praying. But whenever I would suggest an idea about wanting to take action, it was always shut down in some way or another. It was always shut down by the priest or, you know, we don't have the budget for that or no, we don't have the time for that. Right. Whereas in in these very heavily political um, groups, it was like that's all we did. Right. All we did was hold events that supported these communities and spread love in such a proactive way that I had not witnessed before. Right. 
So through that experience, one of my good friends came up to me and said, hey, are you interested in doing the six-month training program with Coochie Los Angeles? Um, They do sexual comprehensive workshops in low-income communities of color uh, for queer and trans you know, individual specifically. And I said, are you fucking kidding me? Sign me the fuck up. That sounds amazing. Yes, I'm so down, right? And thus began my passion towards sex and supporting people with their sex lives and wanting to be a sex educator and a sex coach. And oh my God, just the world of sex is just, oh, I just, I, I fucking love it. Fucking love it did the six-month training program, and I was able to start facilitating workshops in college and in university campuses. Um, I also started working at an adult store where I managed a sexual health and wellness boutique and did workshops there. I got my bachelor's in gender and women's studies with an emphasis on race and ethnicity. And then I went on to get my master's degree in social work with the intention of becoming an LCSW so that I can be a licensed clinical social worker and, um, and, you know, specialize in human sexuality. So become a sex therapist through that degree, right? So that was the plan. Um, but as life happens, that's not necessarily what went down, but something very similar did go down. Actually, ten, something 10 times better went down, but I'll get to that in a minute. So throughout this entire process, um, I was going to school, I was working full time, really heavily engaged in the sex world, which I absolutely loved, and also actively exploring my sexuality. And I think that I've gone through like a few different sexual revolutions in my life. When I was 18, I went through one when I had sex for the first time, right? I went through another one when I was 23, which was when I was actually experiencing orgasms during sex. Because prior to that, I was experiencing pleasure, but never an orgasm. But then at 23, I started learning how to give myself an orgasm, how to communicate how someone can give me an orgasm, right? And then another one at 27 when I got divorced. Did I get divorced at 27? I think I got divorced. No, I'm thinking around, I think, 28, 29. The ages are a bit of a blur. But my late 20s when I got divorced... And um, now I'm actually going through another sexual revolution, being a single woman in my early 30s and learning and understanding what it means to be a sexual person who is single at my age, right? So through all of these experiences, I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about who I am as a sexual person. Um, and it's just been like a really beautiful journey. Very painful. I'm not going to lie. It's fucking painful to go through this shit, but every ounce of pain has been incredibly worth it because I'm very, very grateful for the lessons that I've learned and the person that I've become because of it. So let's talk about the second sexual revolution that I went through. I'm sorry, not the second. Let's talk about the third. So I was married for a couple of years and something that I have done in my life, which I'm not proud of is, and you know, it, it, this does tend to happen, right? Especially when you're raised incredibly sheltered, right? Or you're raised in an extreme way. When you venture out of that way of living and thinking, 
I think it's very normal to naturally swing the complete opposite way, right? So the pendulum swung literally from one side all the way to the other, which means I was very Catholic, very religious, going to church all the time, wanting to be perfect, not having sex, shamed of my sexuality, you know, going to confession once a week, all the things. And then the pendulum swung the other way where I was like hooking up with all these random people, um, being just like, you know, not really having a moral compass. So I was really engaging sexually um, in ways that were incredibly unhealthy. I started developing the habit of cheating on all of my partners. Um, it was just really hard for me to be loyal to one person. And that was something that I always had a lot of shame around, right? Um, but I used lying and manipulating to get what I wanted sexually. I used sex to get a lot of validation and love from others because I didn't really know how to love myself, right? It was like suddenly I didn't have the most important thing to me, which was God. And I was this wild, wild and out atheist with no real direction, right? So everything really came to a head when my spouse discovered that I was cheating. And that, um, hands down, is the hardest thing that I've ever, I've ever gone through in my life. Um, I'm even surprised that I can successfully talk about it now, just because at the time uh, I wanted to kill myself. I was so incredibly depressed. I felt like a monster. I felt like I didn't deserve to live. I felt like I wasn't worthy of forgiveness. I just felt like a true piece of shit at that time in my life. It was fucking awful. It was fucking awful. And I didn't really know how to get out of that, right? And so throughout that time, I had reached out to a professor who had gone through something very similar. It was someone that I was very close to in college who um, word got out that he was engaging sexually with my peers. And so I felt, well, you have cheated on your wife and it has been public information. So maybe you can help me figure out how do I heal from this? How, do, how the fuck do I get out of this, right? So I messaged him and I said, hey, I'm in a very similar situation that you were in. Can you help me? And he said, go to a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, Anonymous meeting immediately. The next morning, 9 a.m., I went to one with one of my friends who I knew was in that program. And that program gave me my life back. I realized that my problem wasn't so much sex and love addiction or addiction at all, but rather the inability to be completely fucking honest with myself. That's why part of this podcast is learning about radical self-acceptance because I was cheating because I just didn't have the courage to tell my partner what I actually wanted. I didn't have the ability, the tools to tell my spouse that I don't, that I didn't want to get married that I didn't want to have kids, right? That I didn't want to move to their home country. But I was so deeply desperate for external validation. I was so deeply desperate for someone to be by me and so afraid to be alone that I would have said anything just to keep them around. So me cheating was really my way of experiencing some freedom in a situation where I felt incredibly powerless. But of course, I was the one that was taking away my own power. 
No one else took away my power but me, right? And I understand that now. So at that time, it was really, really painful. I was even put on a 5150. If you don't know what that is, it's suicide watch um, because I had to, to disclose to a therapist that I was having very vivid thoughts of wanting to kill myself. Um, but the program got me through. 12-step program got me through. And my spouse and I tried to make it work, but I am human and not perfect. And I fucked up again. When, in which in which case they said, you know, this is, it's enough is enough, right? And of course, I mean, as a person can only take so much pain from someone else uh, before they realize that they are putting themselves in that situation. And so I completely love and respect my spouse for having made the decision to step away from me. It wasn't easy. Um, at the time, it was fucking god-awful. Um, I, like I said, I, I had no self-worth. I just felt like I was a fucking monster. And I take full responsibility for that whole experience too. Like I wish I could say, Oh, my, my spouse was so fucked up and that's why I cheated. But I'm gonna keep it real with you. My spouse was fucking amazing. My spouse was awesome. Such a beautiful, kind, loving person that I didn't know how to appreciate, right? That I didn't know. And even though in the past I used to think upon this relationship with so much regret and anguish, I've learned to really appreciate it because it's made me the person I am today. Um, and I really like who I am today. So I appreciate all of the awful, awful experiences that I've gone through in my past and that I continue to go through and continue to learn from, right? So after divorcing my spouse, um, immediately after that, my mom got very, very sick and she was in a coma for 10 days. This was right before the pandemic hit. This was in December, 2019. And I went to the hospital and I remember just seeing her lifeless body in this machine that would tilt people's bodies like back and forth I forgot what it was called but it was this machine where um, a person would go in face down and then it would just tilt back and forth side to side because the purpose was to open up the lungs because um, my mom had pneumonia and her lungs were completely shut and she was not getting any oxygen to her lungs so they had to put her in this machine so that the lungs could move right because she was in a coma she wasn't able to move and it was the worst thing that I had ever seen in my fucking life. Watching your mom in a coma looking lifeless, essentially looking dead, is probably the worst thing that you can experience. Um, it's painful, right, to see your parents suffering. And so it was the most painful thing that I've experienced. And so when I was in the hospital, I stepped aside on my own and I closed my eyes and I had this moment where I made a deal with God, which by the way, I didn't mention something else that the 12 step program gave me back was a relationship with the higher power because I did not want to believe in a God. I didn't want to believe in the universe. I didn't want to believe in anything that had to do with spirituality. Um, but the reality is I love being a spiritual person. I am a spiritual person. I've always been a spiritual person. Take away the sh shame and guilt and fear around sex. And I fucking loved going to church, right? 
And I'm so grateful that now I have a spiritual practice that works for me, right? I believe in universal connection, universal intelligence. I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in a higher power. I believe in spirit. And I fucking love the fact that I have a moral compass again because it feels great to be a woman of integrity and grace once again without the shame and the guilt and all the other bullshit, right? Cool. So I took a a step aside and I pretty much told the universe, I said, if you give me my mom back, I'll do whatever you want. And so my mom survived. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right, cool. Well, now it's my turn to hold my end of the bargain. Holy shit. Well, what do you want from me, right? Like, uh, okay, I'll do whatever you want, but I don't know what you want from me. So December 31st, 2019, I went to see an astrologist who read my birth chart. And I told her the story. I said, hey, I made a deal with God. I have to hold my end of the bargain, but I don't know what it is. Can you help me? So she reads me my birth chart, and she looks me dead in the eye, and she says, whatever you have in your heart that you want to do is what you must do. It is what the universe is calling you to do. And then she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I was stuttering and blubbering. Oh, by the way, sorry, I missed a really important part of the story. During my divorce, I wanted to get, I didn't want to be in the sex world anymore, right? Because I was in program for Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous recovery, right? So I let everything go. And for two years, I was, one year I was working at a cafe after my master's degree. And then I was working at a tech company. So I had completely detached myself from sexual empowerment or anything that had to do with sex because I just needed to get better, right? I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So by this time in 2019, it had been two years since I was in the sex world or doing anything related to sexual empowerment, sex education, et cetera, et cetera. So she asks me, so whatever you have in your heart is what you must do. What do you want to do? And I was stuttering and I said, I, 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 I want, I want to be a sex therapist and I want to travel the world. (laughs) And she goes, cool. That's what you got to do then. And I was speechless. I didn't really know how, like what else to go, you know, what else to do and you know, where to go from there. And she looks at me and she says, look, Jocelyn, you are being called to serve people in this way because you are being called to do it. You have to do it. And then she says, 2020 is going to be a huge year for the world. She's like, no more dress rehearsal. It is go time. The time is now. Don't wait. She said, it's go time. No more dress rehearsal. There's no time to waste. You have to do it now. And she just created this urgency inside of me where I was like, oh, fuck. All right. You know? That same day, I quit my job. Ten days later, I had no job. Hired a life coach because I had just read the book, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero, and she suggests to hire a coach. So I hired a life coach, and she asked me the same question. Well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a sex therapist and travel the world. And she goes, well, have you ever heard of coaching? 
And I thought, well, I mean, you know, I read it in Jensen Charles' book, and you're a coach, but I don't really know much about coaching. And then she started explaining to me what coaching is. And then she says, if you had someone in front of you right now that had a sexual concern, would you be able to coach them? I said, absolutely. Not a doubt in my mind, of course. I've been doing this for, what at that time it was like eight years, you know, doing sex education, working working at the sex shop, working, doing workshops, right? I felt very comfortably being able to support someone. I said, yeah. And she goes, okay, cool. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to get three to five people. You're going to coach them for four to six weeks. You're going to ask them for a testimonial. You're going to open up your Google and your Yelp accounts, and you're going to start your business. (laughs) I was like, excuse me? (laughs) I remember just being like, what the fuck? Like, that? Just what? (laughs) You know? And I wrote this down, and I just started crying because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What do you mean I'm going to do this? You know, like, uh, what? And then she goes, how do you feel? And I said, scared. And she goes, well, this is just one of those things where you're going to have to feel the fear and do it anyways. I got that, t- that quote tattooed on my left arm because that quote changed my life. And it's literally the premise of this podcast. Before that, I had lived my, my life in so much fear. When I was 20, I got accepted into a study abroad program in Chile. I didn't go because I was fucking scared also because I had a boyfriend at the time who said, if you go, I'm breaking up with you. And of course I said, okay, fine, then I won't go. We ended up breaking up two months after I was supposed to leave, you know? And then it's just, fear has just always played a role in my life. It's just always played a role in my life. Um, the reason why I wasn't able to be honest with my spouse or any of my other partners was fucking fear, fear of rejection, fear of losing them, fear of being alone, fear of my own fucking truth. You know, the reason why I didn't travel before is I was fucking scared. The reason why I didn't wear the clothes that I wanted to wear was I was fucking scared. The reason why I didn't do all the things that I've always wanted to do is because I was fucking scared. Fear has always been the goddamn thing that pushed me down. And all it took was for someone to say, feel the fear and do it anyway. For me to understand that it's not about us living a life fearlessly. It's about living a life fearfully, but still pushing yourself to do all the things that you want to do. So I got my three to five clients. I got my testimonials and I finished working with her. And then I said, okay, it's time to work with someone else. Hired my new business coach who really helped me get to the next level. He was a digital nomad who was living in Playa del Carmen at the time. And he was fucking awesome. Wonderful coach. All my coaches have been fucking wonderful. I've been very blessed to have really great coaches in my life. And so I was working with him and I was experiencing, again, a lot of fear, a lot of like, oh my God, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And he says, okay, Jocelyn, I'm going to give you a challenge. For the next 30 days, I'm going to challenge you to say yes to everything, including your ideas. I was like, oh, God damn it, right? I got to say yes to everything. Jesus, fuck, right? No room for being afraid. I just have to fucking say yes. Now, at this time, it was about two weeks before the pandemic really took off, right? The pandemic took off like March 14, 2020. This was like late February, early, or early March. 
And I had just found out about TikTok. And my cousin was super into TikTok. And so she came over one day and I said, hey, girl, like, can you teach me how to use TikTok? She goes, sure. So we made like some fun little videos. And I'm like, oh, this is cute, whatever. So I had this idea for a video that I really wanted to do, which was like, you know, like a sex tip. It was something silly like, oh, like, the you know, sex tip number one, communication, right? And it was just like, maybe if I just dance a little and put this on the screen and play a song, like, you know, boom, bada beam, bada boom. So right after I had hung up with my coach that day where he gave me that challenge, I said, all right, fuck it, feel the fucking fear and do it anyway. Literally shaking as I'm pushing the record button, I did my little dance, I wrote the little words, I posted the song, and it fucking goes viral. Posted another video, boom, goes viral. Posted another video, boom, goes viral. Two weeks later, the pandemic hits, everyone stays home, everyone downloads TikTok, boom. My TikTok goes viral, I get my first set of clients. My first six clients came from TikTok after the pandemic, which told me that this is exactly where I needed to be. It was confirmation from the universe that this is exactly what I need to do. And it was just pure divine timing. I mean, you couldn't have planned that. It was just pure divine timing. And so I was able to get my clients. Really, my practice um, took off from there. Uh, started traveling, which I'll do a full episode on how I became a digital nomad. Started traveling full-time, and now I'm in Barcelona, Spain, doing sex education, sex coaching, and travel 100% full-time. I adore what I do. I adore my clients. I love them, love the people that I work with, love traveling. I'm going to be here in Barcelona for a few more days. Um, Then I'm going to Croatia next month, which I'm super excited about. And this is a life that I fucking created. Fucking created this life fearfully fearfully I created this life fearfully and I hope that you can also create the life that you want fearfully as well because let me tell you you might be feeling like oh you can't do what I do or you can't do what she does or what he does or whatever the fuck nah let me tell you this the only person getting in your way of you and your joy and your happiness is you And once you learn how to get out of your own fucking way, the sky is the limit. One of my all-time favorite movies is uh, Bridesmaids. (laughs) And I love the part where Melissa McCarthy is talking to Annie at the end of the movie, right? Annie's all, like, depressed and shit. And she goes up to her, right? And she's, like, hitting her, trying to get her out of this depressive funk. And she goes... You got to remember this, Annie. You are your problem, but you are also your solution. Oof. And so that is my hope for this podcast, is that you learn how to do things fearfully. I hope that you enjoyed my story. I hope that you got something out of my story. I hope that you resonate with some parts of my story. If you do, please let me know. Um, You can shoot me a message on Instagram at I am Jocelyn Silva. You can email me at me at jocelynsilva.com. You can check out my website, www.jocelynsilva.com. But please, if you resonate with anything, let me know. If you have any questions or any um, requests for podcasts, let me know. 
And thank you so much for joining me on this journey. And thank you so much for listening to my first episode of the Fearful Goddess podcast. (laughs) Yay. So happy that you're here. Have an amazing day. Please subscribe. Stay tuned for more awesome episodes. And remember that you are so loved. You are so supported. And you are worthy and deserving of everything that you desire in this life. Mwah.